Ready to study God's Word? All right, get your Bibles out and you can begin to find 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I'm going to be reading from there in just a moment, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I was uh, sitting here this morning at early morning intercession and, um, man, something just dawned on me that was uh, really revelational, you know, the light coming on. And um, we had a little thing that had happened in the middle of the week with regards to a transformer that had blown out right over here next to uh, the property next to the mall. I'll get to that in just a moment. But I was reminded how through the years that um, God, when he begins to open up the windows and he begins to move in our life and move upon us as people, how many of you realize that there can be a manifestation of his presence? I, I mean, I, I hope you know that. I hope you know that God is more than theory. He's more than just doctrine. That there can be those moments that, that there is a sense of his presence. Now, that doesn't mean he enfleshes himself like he did uh, in, in Jesus Christ. Uh, there was one incarnation. It was Jesus and uh, that was and, and forever shall be. But there are moments that his presence comes. Some people call that the glory of God. Uh, some people just call that the presence of God. It's hard to define, but it's all, you just know. You know that there's a sense of God's presence, maybe in the room, on your life, in the service, on the worship. There's just a sense of God's presence. I'm not exactly sure how you define it. Maybe you define it because there's a tingling that goes on, maybe heart palpitations, uh, maybe uh, you, you sense a pressure or a weightiness, which I believe sometimes associates the glory of God. But, but there is a presence factor that can come into our midst. Now, I understand that all the time, everywhere I go, God is there. Amen? I can't go anywhere that God is not there. Uh, sometimes I can sense him, sometimes I can't. Most of the time, I'll be honest with you, I don't sense a presence of God. Usually Mondays through Saturdays, I live life like most of you live life. You believe in the Lord, you serve the Lord, you, you, you read his word, you follow his ways, you know that he's with you, around you, in you, you may know these things, but there's not like a sense of his presence, but on occasion, and a lot of times it happens when we gather corporately. Have you ever noticed that? Whenever we gather together, there can be a sense of his presence. And that is sort of the mystical aspect of Christianity, that, that we want to fellowship and sense his presence. Well, I was thinking about that, and I have known through the years that when his presence shows up, particularly in powerful ways, that certain manifestations can happen. Now, whatever may happen in you as a person, I have seen with my own eyes and experience that when God's presence shows up, for whatever reason, I've seen this all through the years, that there will be certain happenings with regards to the electrical or the power system in a church or a building or a house or wherever it takes place. Now bear with me for just a moment. How many of you believe there's no such thing as a coincidence? That's me. I just, I'm just telling you, I don't believe in coincidences anymore. I, I know that's how people write certain mysterious things off. They'll say, oh, that was a, just a coincidence. I believe in providence. Because the Bible says the steps of the righteous are ordered. The Bible says that um, God is in charge 
of things that happen in the earth and in my life. And so I've reached the point where I don't know that there's such a thing as a coincidence anymore. I, I understand there can be uh, circumstances that leave me with a lot of mystery, but I personally believe that God does things in order to arrest our attention. And through the years, I have seen this, and some of you, because, because you've been so empowered by your natural senses, you've been so empowered by your reason, your rationality, your logic, you have been so conditioned to function out of those aspects that, that you just look at things and you just write them off as coincidences. But I'm telling you, if you would just take a moment and allow yourself to transcend your senses for just a moment. Allow yourself just to step out of the reasonable and the rational. Because I'm here to tell you, God does unreasonable and irrational things. Yes, He does. If you say, no, He doesn't, then you've not read your Bible. Gotcha. Gotcha. But I'm telling you, God will move. And I've seen this through the years. I can tell you on numerous occasions when an unusual presence of God has come in the room. I've seen lights literally go out. Just go out. I was at a, at a conference uh, with a notable uh, minister in ministry that was taking place. And everything was fine. And all of a sudden, the lights start flashing every which direction. And I just so happened I was sitting to be able to watch all the tech guys. And they were just they were scrambling in their booth trying to figure out what was going on with the lights until finally I could see them just look at each other and they all went. Because something was happening beyond the natural. I know what people say. They say to themselves, oh, probably something was happening in the electrical line. You're making more out of that than you should. Really? Really? Years ago, I I remember we went through a season when the presence of God would come. And oftentimes for me, when I sense the presence of God and... When the inner man begins to arise, oftentimes, and and my wife will tell you this to be true, I'll short-circuit my watch. I've broken more watches serving God and preaching the gospel. I mean, no joke. I mean, you say, well, that's silly. Really? Well, you can count it as silly, coincidence, or whatever you want. But I have seen this happen time and time again. Just a couple of weeks ago, several weeks ago, after our service, really it was the start of one of our services where, where we've begun to sense this open heaven. And the reason I keep declaring open heaven is how many of you know God works on my confession? Come on, I, I'm speaking open heaven. So several weeks ago when we were enjoying an open heaven, and at, it was particularly at the end of service, I, 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 I could sense God's presence and it was cool and, and, and church went kind of what we considered to be normal, although there was a, a, a palatable sense of God's presence. And, and Noah came to me later and he said, Pastor, I'm just telling you, the computer system just froze. There was a moment when God's presence came and we all knew it and my, my computer system froze. Am I not telling, where's Noah at? Is he here? Noah, is that, am I not telling the truth? Yes, Pastor, you are telling the truth. Thank you, Noah. He's helping me in some other way right now. And he, and he said, and as soon as you said the last, he said the weird thing was, as soon as you said the last amen, it started working again. You think that's coincidence? I guess you can write it off to that and think I'm a nut. I, I personally am of the persuasion that God, God is slowly invading us. 
And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't tie it all together. I didn't connect the dots. Isn't it good to know pastor doesn't always connect all the dots? And we had a little issue in the middle of the week with regards to this transformer blue. We had a power surge. We've got some issues with uh, some of our technology. And I came in and I just a tad bit frustrated. Because when I look at technology that's not working, that you've grown accustomed to, all you see is, you know, dollar signs and you hear cha-ching, cha-ching. And so I, I naturally, what did I do? I jumped back into my natural man. Are you following me? Because all I could see with my natural eyes are transformer, surge, fire, something. My printer doesn't work. There wasn't anything spiritual about that moment. My printer is not working. Why isn't my printer working? I'm ticked off that my printer isn't working. Now the reason I'm hearing chuckles is because you guys do the same thing. You walk into a situation, something isn't happening like you want it to happen, and instantly you're back in your natural man going, why, and this, and that, and it's not right, and it's not fair, and you're in the and And all of a sudden the Holy Ghost said, time out. He said, don't you think if I can't, if I can stop a computer, if I can stop a light board, if I can flicker the lights, don't you think I could blow a transformer? Listen to me. There are prophetic signs in the earth. I know people, they're going to hit this on iTunes and some folks are going to go, what in the world? I'm telling you, you can, you can, you can laugh off, you can laugh off a transformer and say, you think that was a sign of the, of the open heaven and the presence of God? My answer is yes. Just like I think earthquakes in the earth are a sign. And you can write it off to global warming or the earth is tilted on its axis or whatever you want to write it off to. I get, well, and if that's the case, then God's making it warm up as a sign in the earth. I believe that to be true. I believe that to be true. And when God sends signs, this isn't even my message today. You're getting another message. I'll get back to my notes. But the reason God sends signs is to open up your heart. Can you, can you imagine? Think with me. Think with me for just a minute. What's it going to take to open our hearts? Is it going to take an 8.0 earthquake in Charleston, South Carolina to open up our hearts? Is that what it's going to take? Because I'll guarantee you, there can be something that will happen that will finally get our attention. If it's not the flickering of lights, if it's not a light board that seizes, if it's not a transformer that blows up, if it's not an 8.0 earthquake in Chile or a 7.01 in uh, Haiti, if it's not a tsunami, if it's not a hurricane, what, what will it take to open up our hearts? Are you following me? What's it going to take? What's it going to take? I, I remember, I've told this story before, that on the day of, of 9-11, 2001, when those planes went into the Twin Towers and took them down, and churches were opening up that night all across America. They were opening up because people just wanted to come and pray and seek God. I'll never forget, because where I was pastoring was located right next to a large uh, condominium complex, apartment complex. And uh, all of a sudden that night when we turned the lights on and we opened up the doors... It had never happened before, but 
people literally came out of those condos and those apartments. And I'm using the word and and I'm not embellishing it when I say they came streaming to the house of God. I grabbed my oldest son at the time who was just, I don't know how long, what's that, nine nine years ago now. So, uh, you know, he'd have been in his mid-teens and I grabbed him and I held him by that window and I said, Clay, you look at this because not many people in their lifetime will ever see something like this when people stream to the house of God. We put things on their their doorknobs, we've knocked on doors, we've done everything we've known to do to reach out to people, but you send two planes into Twin Towers, watch them stream. Why is that? Because something happened that opened up their hearts finally. But it took just about two weeks for that to wear off. Yeah, it did. Yeah, it did. So my question is, what's it, what's it really going to take for us to open up our hearts and to begin to just really say, God, I want all of you that there is. I want everything that there is about you to come and invade my life. And, and so this morning, is, I'm just sharing, and this is going to be our last message on turning you inside out and talking about the inner man. And uh, I thought about all the themes. I mean, we could spend a lot of time on this. And I thought about all the themes I could bring to you. But this is the one I want to bring to you this morning. It's this. I I want you to know how you can begin to open up your heart and begin to receive things from God. How many of you would say sometime in your life you could or still could use a miracle? I mean, mean, really. I mean, you could say, yeah, I I mean, I've been in situations where I could use a miracle. I could use something providential. I could use God bringing a healing, God bringing a resource, God bringing... You know, deliverance, God bringing hope, God bringing joy, God bringing peace. Boy, I sure could use God bringing something in my life. Well, wouldn't it be nice to know how to begin to open up your heart and receive something like that from Him? Wouldn't you like to know that? How, if you could figure that one out, if you knew how to do that... Do you understand how far down the road you would be from everyone else who continues to be blind and bumping into things in the dark and not really knowing how God works in their life? And so I want to talk to you about that today, and I just simply entitled it Understanding What It Means to Receive from God. How do you get something from the Lord? You have 1 Corinthians chapter 2? Let me read to you just some things out of here real quick. 1 Corinthians 2. And and I'm going to talk about it as we go through here. It says, but as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man, those things which God has prepared for those who love him. Let's stop here for just a minute. Paul's writing this. He's saying that there are things that your natural senses, you understand your ears and your eyes are your natural senses. That's how we process almost all of life is through our senses. He said, there are things which your eyes have not seen and your ears have not heard that God has for you. You know, a miracle isn't going to come by way of eyesight and earshot. Healings and, and, and understanding and revelation and solutions to your problems and wisdom and all the things that we mentioned. Come on now, say amen with me. It isn't going to come all the time by way of your natural senses. 
We think God has to somehow work within our reasoned faculties or somehow it's not God. I've heard this for years. Well, it all seems to make sense, so it must be God. Does that not just cause us to go, wait a minute? Because it makes sense, it must be God. When God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways. That's how come, he says here, that he has things for you. He's got a miracle for you. He's got good things for you. He's solutions for you, answers for you, a future for you. But hear me, it is not going to come by way of your natural senses. It says in verse 10, but God has revealed them to us. Well, how did he do this? Through his spirit. That's how come we honor the Holy Spirit. Because you'll never know what God has for you unless you make room for the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you very much. That's why I've said the Holy Spirit isn't just a Wednesday night class. The Holy Spirit's up front and central. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? And so Paul's talking about the inner man again. He's talking about the spirit portion of you that is the access point for God to work in your life. So again, we're just reviewing now that there is a place in you that God interacts and works with in order that he can get things to you that are supernatural in origin, that are, are, that are from his hand and are the things you really need and have been hoping for. It says in verse 12, now underline it because you will see I've underlined it in my Bible, my nice new Bible. It says now, everyone say now. This is great. Now we have received. I don't know about you, but I'm tired of always waiting. I don't know about you. But God's always going to do something, right? God's always up to something. Going to do something. One of these days, God's going to. God's going to one of these days. Someday out there, God's going to. Okay, I believe it because God's always doing something. But it says here, now we have received. There is something that can happen now in you. Wouldn't you like to go home today with an answer to a problem? Would you not like to go home today with with, with knowing in your knower that God has provided something for you that that will break you through whatever it is that's holding you back? Wouldn't you like to go through those glass doors this morning and, and know in your knower that if there's healing or there's deliverance or there's joy or whatever there is that now you can receive? Sure you do. Sure you do. It says, now we have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been, what? Freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. So in other words, as smart as men may be at times, they're not as smart as God. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man, and we're going to end with verse 14. The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. What he's saying there is this. He's saying, if you have relegated yourself to living life only out of your senses, 
If you have chosen the path of life that everything to you, you have to see with your eyes, you have to hear with your ears, naturally, it has to make sense in all of your reasoning faculties, it has to be logical, it has to line up, it fits within your pros and cons sheet, and everything about your life has to work out at the end of a pencil, Paul is saying this, it ain't going to happen. There are moments when the Holy Ghost comes and He's going to trip your brain. He's going to cause you to see a circumstance that He's going to speak exactly the opposite to. He's going to speak something in you that won't necessarily make sense to the natural mind. And in it, you're going to have to break your pencil. And say, I don't know, that's just God. And and you follow the Lord. So, So I'm sowing this into you because that's what you're going to have to receive. Folks, listen to me. We're, we're living in an era, and, 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 and I want to be gentle, and I want to be kind, and God, give me a good, gentle, kind spirit right now. I just, everybody's interceding. Lift your hand toward pastor and say, Lord, help him. You let him. Let him be loving right now. Yeah, bless him. I appreciate it. Whenever Miss Louise says it, I feel like it's happening. So, Listen, 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 listen. I'm to the place, I can't stand up and teach you the latest motivational books on the top 10 New York bestseller list and somehow find a scriptural spin to it all. Listen to me. We've we've got to get back to when we hear from God. And and we're opening and receiving things from God. You know, Adam and Eve, I was thinking about this, Adam and Eve were designed originally by the Lord to be instant and exceptional receivers. Have you ever thought about that? They had no blockages. They had no impediments. There was nothing that kept them from interacting with God. I mean, God and Adam, they just walk around and they just have a conversation. Wouldn't that be cool? God goes, how's your day, Adam? Pretty good, Lord. How's yours? Well, pretty good. I mean, and they're just having this wonderful conversation as they walk along in the garden. There's nothing that's impeding it. Adam's going, well, Lord, I'm, I'm having this little problem and I wonder if you could help me out with it. And the Lord says, well, just tell me what's going on. And, 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 and Adam spills his guts and the Lord goes, this is what you do, ABC. And Adam goes, well, thank you, Lord. And just poof, it works. That's how it kind of happened in the garden. It probably didn't look quite like that, but you're getting the picture. So there was this easy interaction But what happened was when disobedience came into the equation and sin entered into the earth and it fractured and sin always does this. Listen to me, folks. This is why sin bad. It's because it fractures relationship with God. It alienates you from God and sin empowers your natural senses. And so what happens is here's Adam and Eve. They, they, they take of the fruit of the, of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happens is, is that prior to partaking of the fruit, their inner man, their spirit portion of who they were, had such dominion in their life. This inner man was exercising such dominion. Think about this. And I'm not trying to be indelicate or cute, but I'm just saying they weren't even clothed. And there was no chuckling. I mean, they could, they could do this. There was nothing carnal about it. There was nothing that was inappropriate. There was nothing lustful or there was nothing perverted or crazy. They were just Because their inner man had such dominion, that was a non-issue. Their senses were not empowered. But the minute sin entered into the equation 
It says that their eyes were opened. And what did that mean? It meant their natural senses were empowered. So what had dominion no longer had dominion anymore. And their senses took dominion. And then all of a sudden, they saw each other and went, whoops, we're naked. we got to get this fixed. Because their senses started shooting thoughts through their brain that were telling them to go all sorts of different directions. And now their whole life was messed up. But perhaps the greatest mess up that happened on that day was it fractured their ability to be able to receive from God exceptionally. They couldn't hear like they once heard. They they couldn't fellowship like they once fellowshiped. It It was cut off. It was fractured. And we can identify with that because how many of us have cried out and said, Oh God, are you there? Have you forgotten my address? 1736. My phone number is area code 843. That's how we felt at times. Because sin has fractured all of this. Now, here's the thing that we need to realize. While it has become more difficult in some ways for us to cultivate or restore that type of relationship with God that we can hear His voice and we can know His will and we can have these confidences as we walk with Him and as we love Him, I didn't say it was impossible. See, that's the thing. We think somehow now it's impossible. And what we do is when we get frustrated or when we just decide it's not worth it, when we're tired of pursuing, when we don't want to be spiritual anymore, we always shift back into the natural and we make God fit into our natural. So everything in church we do according to the natural. We organize naturally. We, 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 we plan naturally. We, 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 we forecast naturally. We do so many natural things. When was the last time you just broke out of natural and gave God room to do something supernatural? Are you following me? And, and I've gone through this before. There are so many things in the Bible that are, should just blow our minds. You, you don't attack cities marching around them six times silent, seven times shout your brain out. You don't win battles when you're outnumbered three to one. By putting candles in broken pitchers and screaming your brains out. That's not how you do it. You don't win battles like Gideon did by taking 30,000 men and whittling them down to 300. That's not how, that's, are you getting this? That is not how God's will is done. So we've got to somehow break out of these concepts of, of being empowered naturally and begin to understand that God wants to do something in us spiritually. The scripture says, God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. By the Spirit. Now, here's where we're going to talk, and I need you to stick with me, because I'm going over these concepts that probably I need to take weeks on, but I'm going to give you just minutes, all right? Are you with me? Amen? Most of us have defined the word receiving as simply accepting. If I were to say define receiving, for most people, if they were to say, okay, what does it mean to receive something? Most of us might define it as accepting. I I accept. It's just like what we do when people come to know the Lord. They've accepted Jesus as their Lord and Savior. I accept what God may want to do in my life. Now, I'm going to go through something that's really kind of technical, but it's really practical. 
All right, so, so bear with me in the technical, and I'll get to the practical. Most of us wrestle, and we don't even know it. Most of us wrestle with, with God's sovereignty and our freedom. Now, we, we don't realize that we wrestle with this much. You don't sit around thinking at the office, I'm going to ponder sovereignty and freedom today. I know we don't do that. But what we do do is, is that when things happen, we just kick into something. For some of us, when something happens, we automatically kick into, I'm going to work my brains out. I'm going to work it, work it, work it, work it, work it. And, and, and really what you're doing is you've landed on the freedom side of the equation, that you need to do something in order to, for God to, 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 to uh, you know, work in your life. For others, we, we fall on the sovereignty side of the equation. We fall and saying sort of this laissez-faire, hands-off approach. Well, God's in control of everything. Nothing much I can do about it, so we'll just, we'll just let him have his way. And at times that becomes almost like passive. You know, you're just passive and... And, and fatalistic. And, and what happens is because we haven't really understood these things, we just kick into gear, maybe because we've been taught something or maybe because we've just never really thought about it. But what happens is, particularly when it comes to receiving from God, most of us have redefined it to mean, well, I can be passive or I can be fatalistic. Or in other words, if God wants me to have it, he'll just give it to me. Are you following me? If God wants me to have healing, he'll just give it to me. If God wants me to have something from him, he'll just, he'll just give it to me. I'm okay with that. Can I give you a little illustration? I think it'll be really helpful and you'll see it all the time. There is a difference between FedEx and the U.S. Post Office. Now, now FedEx, think about it. FedEx Post Office. FedEx Post Office. FedEx, listen, when FedEx brings you something, the guy jumps off the truck. Usually he's, he's running like a madman. And he's got something for you to sign, right? And you sign for it to officially receive it. Okay, so, so FedEx comes, you sign for You can't get, in fact, I've had this happen more times than I can count from UPS as well. They'll put something on my door because they're not going to let me have it until I for it. That's how FedEx does business. Now, the U.S. mail, and again, I know every illustration breaks down, but the U.S. mail, what they do is, is they drive by your mailbox and they throw it in there, whether you like it or not. I mean, it just, it just goes in the box and there are things in the box that I might want and there are things in the box that I don't want. Now, hear me, most of us think God is a lot like the U.S. mail. That he just sort of delivers whatever he wills, whether we want it or not. So if he wants me to be healed, he'll just deliver it. If he wants me, you know, to, to you know, learn a lesson, he just delivers it no matter what. I mean, whether we want it or not, God's just going to do this. And we become almost these passive recipients of his will. When in truth, hear me, God is much more like FedEx. You must receive what it is he has available. Are you following me? I know. Listen, I, we always want to just drop over and say, well, God's in charge. We don't believe that when it comes to salvation. God's just not plopping salvation on people. You must what? You must receive. There's something what? 
You've got to do. Is God in charge of salvation? Yes. Is he sovereign over it? Yes. But the truth of the matter is, is that the only way it's appropriated is when you obey what he says must be done in order that you can receive what it is that he's done for you. You just can't listen. This is our problem. We think because it's available, we're we're all functional universalists at some level. We all want to somehow believe that everybody's going to be okay because we can always find somebody that's worse than us. And so we want to believe that everybody's okay. And we also want to believe that because everybody knows that God uh, uh, has sent His Son, just about everybody has known that He sent His Son, He died for our sins, and all the things that the cross represents, everybody wants to believe that because they have information, that information translates into activity. Listen to me. You can have all kinds of information, but it does you no good until it is received. Received. Now, I'm just using something as simple as salvation. That's why people sometimes walk around and they'll say to themselves, it's not working. I gave my life to Jesus, I thought, and it's not working. I don't know why it's not working. I've given him three days. He, he, he rose from the dead in three days. I figured he could get my situation worked out in three days. I don't get this. Why? It's not working. Sometimes it's not working. It's because you got something in the mailbox, the mailbox, but it never got received. Received. Now, there are two words. Listen to me. Dekomai, it actually means, one of the words for receive, it actually means to welcome. That's what it means to receive, to welcome something. I welcome this. You know, there are people that don't welcome the things of God. They don't, and then then they wonder why some of the promises of God don't work, because they don't welcome them. You've got to, see, see, God is not an intruder. He wants to be welcomed. That's why he says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hears my voice, and what? Opens the door. Well, what do you do when you open the door? Welcome. What? Come in. So, so it works that way. Okay, we got it for salvation, but here the healer is. Knock, 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 knock. I welcome healing. I welcome deliverance. I welcome prosperity. I welcome his abundance. I welcome peace. I welcome joy. I welcome these things. Do you realize there are some people that do not welcome these things? They say to themselves, I don't know about that. I saw some guy on Christian television and it just was weird. And I don't know about that. Well, you know what? Don't you worry. It won't happen to you. Because if you'd have seen Jesus throwing mud in people's eyes, you'd have been the one standing there going, I just don't know about the Messiah. Yes, you would. You've got to welcome Welcome these things into your life. If your dog runs off the FedEx guy, you do not get the box that was sent. He must be welcomed. Welcome. Now, the second word is lumbano. Lumbano I like because this is sort of my nature. I like lumbano. means to seize or to lay hold of it. I don't know those of you that have pets. Maybe you've trained your pet well. But uh, Pugin is interesting. We've got, we, we feed him turkey. And you can say turkey now, and Pugin's like, he, he doesn't know much, but he knows turkey. He knows that. Say turkey, and, and, and it's amazing. And, and if you lay it down, now he's, he's becoming good at it. He does, but, but you know what an animal does when he sees a snack or something he wants? He just snatches it. He lays hold of it. 
Folks, receiving is more than just getting that information to you. It's welcoming that understanding. It's determining to lay hold of it. That's why the things of the Spirit, listen to me, I believe one of the aspects of my calling in, in, in Charleston, South Carolina, is to help people understand and, and, and make the transition from, from dead, dormant Christianity into alive Christianity in the things of the Spirit. And, and, and the bridge is, is, is a lot of times connected by the concept of receiving. The reason, I've heard this for years. Now, don't, I don't want anybody to be offended. Everyone right now, just say with me, in the name of Jesus, I refuse to take up an offense. All right, thank you, thank you. Now listen, because God loves everybody. There's no second-class citizens. He loves, he, there's, he loves all different people and different denominations. Are you following me? God, God is love. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, i got to deal with something. I've listened to this for years. People who will say things like, well, you know, I guess if the Lord wanted me to speak in tongues, he'd just lay it on me. He'd just lay it on me. He'd just drop it on me. I'm not really against it, but I don't, you know, I'm just, I don't know. Just, he just lay it on me. Listen, hear me. This is just one thing that probably touches everyone. You got to start welcoming some things. Sure you do. You got to say, okay, I'm not, you're not there yet. Okay, I'm, I'm cool with that. But you got to start welcoming aspects of the things of the spirit. I mean, God's things cannot simply be accepted like junk mail in your mailbox. Well, if God, if God happens to put a healing letter in my mailbox, hallelujah, I'll be healed. No, you can lay hold of it. You can seize it. Fact of the matter is, I, my, my greatest fear is that we've thrown out some things before we had a chance to even read it. Paul said that receiving has to enter the heart. That's what he says here. It has to enter into the heart. Things which eyes have not seen nor have ears heard. Now, why is this important? I'm going to go through this real fast. Flash these verses. I'm not going to find them. Matthew 10, 40 and 41. Flash it, guys. He who receives you, Jesus is talking to the disciples. Listen, he who receives you receives me. Isn't that cool? Listen, this is what, now this is, I'm just, I'll use me for an example, but it's for his disciples. If you don't like me, you'll miss something from Jesus. Now, you may have every reason not to like me. There are days Tracy doesn't like me. My kids don't like me. It's true. But truth of the matter is, is that there's something, whether you like me or not, there's something that you can receive from Jesus through me. Hear me now. There's something in you that people could receive as from the Lord. Are you following me? He who receives you receives me, and he who receives me receives him who sent me. Go to the next one. And he who receives a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward. He who receives a righteous man, which is the greater principle here, in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. This is what's really neat. I love this. And that is that there are, there are ministers and, and Christians and believers who, if, if I can learn to receive from, that literally I can begin to access the reward that God would even have for them. But the reason we don't get the reward is because we refuse to receive. Well, I don't like the way they dress. I don't like the way they look. He didn't shave this morning. He sounds too southern for me. He's just, he's, you know, well, I don't know. 
But whatever it is, because we don't receive, we don't get a reward. Go to the next one, guys. Number two, John 1, 12. This is a great one. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Now listen, hear me now. You can have information on Jesus, but if you don't receive, you have no rights. You have no right to act. If you've not received sonship, if you've not received daughtership, you have no ability to function under your rights. To them, to those who receive, to them he gave the right. Now listen, you say, well, well, I thought I received. We're going to talk about what receive means here in just a second. But, but I'm, just, I'm just planning these ideas that sometimes the reason things ain't happening like you think they ought to happen is because you've not learned what it means to receive things first. You gotta receive it, then it happens. Then number three, Hebrews 12, 28. I like this one. Therefore, since we are what? Receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Everything that's available in the kingdom of God, hear me, comes by receiving. If you want something that's promised in the kingdom, then it comes by receiving and it's interesting that in that particular passage there was an ing on the end of it we are receiving a kingdom it means that there are times it's not just a moment or or uh uh something that just you know is just a one-time thing but you got to keep walking believing fighting seizing standing i mean daniel the most interesting passage is when daniel prayed and it says that for 21 days he was praying about an issue that he needed a response to And an angel came to him and said that the answer was sent to you the moment you prayed over it and about it. Isn't that good news? I mean, you pray about something and God goes, there. But in Daniel chapter 10, it's revealed to us that in the heavenly realm, there was a contending that was going on. And you've got to understand that, that, that there's a contending going on with certain things that God wants to bring into your life, but He's waiting to see if you will fight the good fight of faith. Will you rise up and will you lay hold? Will you welcome? Will you stand whether you can see it or not? I mean, will you, will you be like just that tenacious dog that, that sinks your teeth into it, but you just say, I, re- I receive it and I keep receiving it and I refuse to let it go. That's our problem is we let things go in America because we've got options. Something else will happen or we'll figure it out another way and, and, and we lose what God could do because we're not tenacious in, in receiving. So the question is, well, how do I receive and what does all this entail to receive properly? Turn to Romans 4 real quick. It's, it's, it's one of our household's favorite passages Romans 4, 13 uh, through 21, about Abraham and Sarah. I'm not going to read to you the whole thing. Romans 4, 13 through 21, I'm going to let you just begin to read that as, as I'm talking about it here so we can get through this swiftly. But how do you begin to receive spiritual things? What is it that you need from the Lord this morning? Let's just put it up on the, on the table like that. What is it that you need from God this morning? Are you needing him to heal your body? Are you needing him to save a household? Are you needing deliverance in a particular area? Are you needing some resource to pay some bills? Are you needing your joy back? Are you wanting some peace back? 
Is your relationship rocky and you need God to be in the middle of that thing? I mean, what is it that you need from God this morning? Hear me. You've got to receive something in your spirit that nails down that answer before you'll ever see it with your eyes. And in all likelihood, it's going to challenge your natural faculties and reasoning. Number one, you must see what is to be received. You got to see it to receive it. What do you mean by that? I mean that, that I believe the inner man has eyes. Paul prayed in Ephesians 1. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened. The inner man has eyes. And I believe that the name we call those eyes is the imagination. You know, the things of the kingdom are, are always told to us to be received like a little child. Have you ever hung around children and noticed how much imagination they have? I mean, you could give them a blanket and a clothespin and they'll play superhero, Superman, Batman. And, and you know, you give, you know, for years we didn't let our, we didn't let Clay, we went through this phase where we didn't let them have toy guns. It was silly on our part. We just went through this phase as parents. So we weren't going to give them these guns. Because we just didn't want them to be violent. I don't know what we were thinking. But how many of you know little boys are going to find something to shoot bad guys with? So he'd find a yardstick and he'd go, you know. Or he'd get his blue saw, you know. And he'd be running around shooting with his blue saw. Or his hammer. He'd turn his hammer the other way and start shooting. I mean, I mean there's something in a, in a little boy that's going to shoot something. They're born to shoot. Doesn't matter. They'll shoot anything. They shoot their forks. They're, I mean, it doesn't matter. But the most amazing thing about a child is this, is their imagination. And, and the sad part is, is as we get older, we lose imagination. Because we're told certain things. Don't, you, you have a runaway imagination. Don't let your imagination run wild. You know, come on, you got to get back to reality. And everybody's speaking these things over us. And, and we've lost the eyes of the inner man. For most people, we are so inundated with fear that our senses become empowered and we're no longer free to use our imagination. In fact, most of us have, have, have learned with expertise to use our speculation. Speculation is fear-based. Speculation is when you, whether it's true or not, you begin to believe something is happening and you speculate. And how many times have you said or somebody has said, I knew that's what was going to happen. You speculated it and it happened. Job 3, I believe it's verse 25 says, the thing that I feared the most has come upon me. And the thing you speculated and feared the most happened. And, and, and you know, it's funny. We don't think that's abnormal. We just simply say to ourselves, I knew it was going to happen. Oh, I knew he was going to leave me. She was going to leave me. I knew I was going to lose my job. I knew the economy would go south. I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. And it happened. And nobody ever jumps up and down and says, that's miraculous. Because it's just a natural. You see, we've just naturally laid hold of that. Come on, twist that around and get back into the kingdom and realize when you begin to see what God says is true, that the same force that worked negatively for you is the same positive thing that God wanted to do through your faith. He took Abraham out to the plains of Ur and he pointed at a night sky and he said, Abraham, look at those stars. So shall your descendants be. God took Abraham out there and he says, see. Can you see Abraham? 
And there, Abraham, with God himself, saw the myriad of stars, and it was emblazoned in his psyche to where now God had something internally that he could begin to work with. You must begin to see what it is God has promised. Don't see your sickness. See your healing. Don't see yourself failing. See yourself succeeding. Don't see yourself tripping over your bondages and addictions continually. See yourself prevailing and triumphing over all of your issues and problems. Don't see your divorce. See your reconciliation. Don't see, don't see, what, what is it, uh, when they, when they, uh, uh, foreclose, don't see the foreclosure. See the miracle. Because we will spend hours speculating. And do we wonder why that's empowered in us? You've got, to, you've got to see what it is that God says you can receive. It's so easy, isn't it? Because our natural senses help us see natural things. Seeing must start when you can see what this says. You got to, this is, how, how many of you know the Bible says, let God be true and every man a liar? I don't care what somebody said to you. Let God be true. If it's not this, then it's a lie. But we've got to condition ourselves to see what it is God has promised. Number two, you've got to embrace, you must embrace what you have seen that is to be received. That's the lay hold part. You can begin right now. It'll be easy this morning. There'll be an atmosphere of faith in this room that you'll begin to see a promise from God, and you'll begin to lay hold of it here this morning. But the key is you've got to embrace it because when you walk out those glass doors, everything in your life is going to try to convince you that what you've just embraced could not possibly be true. Abraham saw it and embraced it. It says here in that chapter 4 passage, it says uh, that he did not waver. Through unbelief in verse 20. He did not waver through unbelief. He did not say, yeah, 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 God, I know, I know, I know that's what you said. Yeah, you've said a lot of things. He didn't say, well, you know, I'll believe it when I see it. He had to embrace it when the Lord put the picture in front of him. You know, we all want people to affirm us and encourage us. But I'm going to help you here. You're going to have to embrace some things on your own. You're not going to have a cheerleading section to always, you know, push you up and, and help keep you on top. You know, there are times, let me, you want to talk about a personal relationship with the Lord? I'll tell you what a personal relationship with the Lord is. It's when everyone else is saying the natural thing and you've got what God has said and you're the only one standing on it. This is how God sees this and I accept that picture. I embrace that thing. Number three, you must be convinced that what you embraced is what you'll receive. Convince is from the word convict. When the judge in a courtroom pounds the gavel and says that the person is convicted, how many of you know it's done? I've seen it more times than I can count where instantly when the conviction is done, they will grab they will grab the defendant and instantly they don't let they don't let him hug or her hug. They don't they don't let him get things in order. I mean, they are swiftly taken off because it's conviction. Convinced it is done. 
you must know that what God has said is done. It's done. Nothing is more powerful than the cross. Do you believe that? That means no sin is greater than the power of the blood. No sickness is greater than the power of the blood. No bondage is greater than the power of the blood. Are you convinced of that? The Bible says here that Abraham was fully convinced, verse 21. Fully convinced that what God has said, God would do. I tell you, this is how it needs to work. I'm convinced that tomorrow morning the sun will rise. Isn't that great? And I'm convinced, if it's a clear sky, that that I will walk out and I'll see stars in the sky. I'm convinced of that. There are some things you're convinced of. For instance, you're not thinking about it, but how many of you know you're convinced that you're going to take a breath here in just about two seconds? It happened. Hallelujah. Well, God gave you that breath. Did he not? See, we've got to get convinced. Lately, I've been having to fly a lot lately. And every time I get on an airplane, they tell me to buckle my seat. I listen to the little safety spiel. The pilot taxis out. I really don't think much about it. I've flown enough to where it's just not anything I really consternate about. And I'm fully convinced that that plane is going to lift off the ground. Is that not amazing, that big hunk of metal? Is that not amazing? How about that big hunk of metal that floats out there in the harbor? Uh, That amazes me every time I see those container ships come in there. I say to myself, that's just remarkable. But you know what? There are businesses all over the world that will throw their goods on those cargo ships because they're convinced they'll float. We've got to be convinced that what God has said is true. And then finally, number four, you must confess what you have seen. You must confess what you have seen, embraced, And are convinced that you are receiving. This is where we get to that confession stuff again. Your tongue is the secret to your success. You you can, one more time, you can say, ah, it doesn't make sense to me. It's just that blab it and grab it and name it and claim it and all the rest. Well, then you just go do do it your way. The Bible says that out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. James said that your tongue, though it be a little member, is the same as a... A, a bit in a horse's mouth as well as a rudder on a ship. And even though it's a little member, it literally guides and directs where your life is headed. And I know most people don't believe this because we really have a hard time practicing it. But your confession has to line up with what you have seen, what you've embraced, what you're convinced of, then you must speak. The Bible says here in what verse... Um, Uh, where is it here, calling those things? Verse 17, that Abraham, once he went through this process, it says that he called those things that be not as though they were. So, So God had promised him and Sarah that they would have a child together, though they were dead biologically in their bodies. But despite having all the indicators, naturally, that their bodies were dead, they began to speak. They called what wasn't into their current situation. They didn't deny that it didn't exist. I've, I've often had people mix this verse up. They thought it meant that they were to 
uh, call those things that weren't as though they were, or call those things that were as though they weren't. Or is that the right way? All right, I messed that one up. In other words, you don't sit there and you don't. If you're if you're sick, you don't walk around going, "I am not sick. I am not sick." In Jesus' name, I am not sick. Well, sure, you're sick. You're coughing and hacking and stay away from me. I mean, that's. I mean, I'll declare it. You're sick. All right. But, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't say to deny what exists. Sure, they were dead biologically, but the Bible says that you can call those things that be not as though they were. See, you're pulling something out of the kingdom into this world. And you got to begin to speak that. I think that's the greatest act of faith is for us to begin to say what hasn't yet manifested. There's an open heaven amongst us. Listen to me. The harvest is here in Jesus' name. I'm receiving the harvest. The house is full in the name of Jesus. You can walk out and say, Pastor, the house ain't full this morning. You know what? I'm not denying it wasn't, but I'm calling those things that be not as though they were. I'm calling my healing. I'm calling my cleansing. I'm calling in my victory in the name of Jesus. I mean, think of all the fear and the faith that you've spoken through the years. And I'm amazed at how much of that has really happened. I wish I'd spoken more faith through the years. And it doesn't cost me anything. It just costs me really the, the ability to be obedient to what God has said. And I'm going to read this and I'm done. One more verse and I'm done. Well, a couple verses. <laughs> Psalm 37. I really am. I'm landing right now. Psalm 37. Listen, listen, listen. This is cool. And we're done. Oh, do not fret because of evildoers. Nor be envious of the workers of iniquity. This is a great verse. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Oh, I know a few people we could apply that to. All right. Um, now listen, verse 3 is the one we all know about. Listen, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and feed on his faithfulness. In other words, he's just saying, come on, soak in this stuff. Number four, delight yourself also in the Lord. Now, now listen, delight yourself in the Lord and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, now we often quote that, and, and that's where we stop. But we got to go on. Listen, commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. Now, I read that, and I like the verse that says that, that trust in the Lord, and He will grant you the desires of your heart. Listen, listen. The only way God can grant the desires of your heart or your inner man, listen to me, is when you've received something into it. What if, what, if, what, if, what if you received? See, God won't grant a benefit. God won't grant a reward. God won't grant a promise until whatever it is that he has for you has been received into your heart. He says in verse 6, He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, your justice as the noonday. Listen, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Cease from anger, forsake wrath. Do not fret, it only causes harm. For evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait on the Lord, listen, they shall what? Inherit the earth. For yet a little while and the wicked shall be no more. Indeed, you will look carefully for his place, but it shall be no more. Listen, 
we can look around and, and, and say to ourselves, why is it that it seems like the wicked prosper? Why is it that it seems like people who cheat and steal and have no character and they lack an integrity and they aren't walking in God's ways? Why does it seem like that they always do so well? And God just simply says this. He says, let that alone. Leave that alone. I'll take care of all that stuff. It is no concern of yours. He says this. It is time that you got something in your spirit and you waited on the Lord. You, you receive that thing. You say, okay, I'll receive it. And as you receive it, you embrace it. And as you embrace it, you become convinced of it. And as you're convinced of it, you begin to speak it. And as you begin to speak it, you just watch what God can do with that. He will, he will cause amazing, supernatural, phenomenal things to come to pass in your life. Turning yourself inside out. Living out of the inner man. Becoming supernatural. In every aspect of your life. Stand with me will you.